I realized this past week that it had been a minute since I tried to preach from the Psalms. This book of Psalms is a collection of 150 ancient Hebrew poems and songs and prayers that come from all different time periods in Israel's history. They're written by a bunch of people, almost a third of them are anonymous. All these folks are writing about their lives and their experience of God's presence in their lives. From despair to joy, hopelessness to trust, existential anxiety to complete peace and hope. You can always find a psalm that is expressing what you are feeling. You can always find one to relate to that captures what you're feeling in a way that you needed to hear. That's why I love the Psalms, because together they capture the wide range of human emotion. And in turn, some of them can be a real bummer. I think at first read, that Psalm that Jennifer just read for us is a huge downer. You know, human frailty is right up there on the list of things that we are not supposed to talk about at a dinner party. This psalm is essentially talking about just how fleeting our lives are on earth. Did you hear it? It likens we humans to grass that quickly fades. There's all sorts of reasons why we don't like to talk about death, right? One reason that I hear all the time is that we don't want to be a burden. We don't want to impose our sadness, our grief on someone else and bring the mood down. Or we recognize that everyone has lost someone, so we don't want to be insensitive. Stories about heroes and beating the odds and miracles are much more enticing. But I think that the deeper reason we don't like to talk about death is because we don't like to be confronted with that which we cannot control. We would prefer not to be placed face to face with our own limitations. Death forces us to realize just how much of life we have absolutely zero control over. It's pretty easy to spot this aversion to death out in the wild. There's evidence all around us. Our culture fights signs of aging so hard with retinol creams and lotions and hair dye. There is an entire aisle at Target devoted to all of these things, probably too if you put all of them together. We are so much more comfortable with endless advertisements for those things than the natural signs of the passage of time. Many a family struggles with how precious independence has become, so much so that fights break out and relationships are tested over the relinquishing of car keys as vision and judgment lessens. Too many times, I have witnessed the long and hard fight against disease without stopping to consider quality of life. And there's plenty of stories from hospital rooms and deathbeds of someone waiting to die because they knew that those who would survive them were not ready to let them go, not ready to confront the finitude of life. 
I remember as a child being in the back seat, seeing the long line of cars with little white flags out the window for a funeral procession. I remember my mom telling me to hold a button, which I learned this morning is a very superstitious thing that only my family has done, because I asked everybody, do you do that? And no one raised their hand. So I learned that this morning. But then we would be quiet, often offering a prayer for that grieving family, and then we patiently would wait for that long line of cars to make their way through the stoplight. I remember peering into car windows next to me, seeing other people in prayer as well, or looking out the window and seeing people on the sidewalks stop to watch, hold vigil. And then we'd all resume our drive, resume our day, often with a few more minutes of quiet as we thought about that family. Flash forward a number of years, and now as a pastor, I have the unique perspective of being the front car in those funeral processionals. Let me tell you, in just the last 20 years or so, I have seen the culture change around this drastically. Now I have a front row view of all the people who have been asked to wait for us to go through the light. I can't tell you how many people are visibly upset that they have to wait. Hands fly up in the air, angry that the motorcycle officer has asked them to stay put even though it is clear that the light is green. Some people just keep plowing through and that is really scary. Most people avert their eyes and look at their phones until we're through. I think there's plenty of reasons why our culture around funeral processions have changed. But I can't help but to think it's because we're growing more and more uncomfortable with death and the loss of control that it imposes on us. All of this came to mind in a rather unusual place. This summer in the movie theater watching the Barbie movie, I'm sure plenty of you have seen it. How many of you have seen the Barbie movie? Yeah, great. So, it's about this place where everyone is happy and everything's perfect and nothing goes wrong and we don't have to talk about hard things until a little bit of reality starts creeping in and things start to go awry. Barbie begins to see injustices and pain and hurt that she has never seen or experienced before. We get to watch Barbie's existential crisis in real time, so let's watch this clip together. Raging Barbie. Hey, Barbie. Gosh, this night is just perfect. It's perfectly perfect. And you look so beautiful, Barbie. Thanks, Barbie. I feel so beautiful. So do I. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever, and so is yesterday, and so is tomorrow, and so is the day after tomorrow, and even Wednesdays, and every day from now until forever. <laughs> Do you guys ever think about dying? I don't know why I just said that. I'm just dying to dance. We've all been there, Barbie, haven't we? Maybe it wasn't in the midst of a dance party, but we have all been confronted with our own mortality at one point or another, haven't we? 
And if we bring up our worries, fears, grief even, it really would be a record scratch moment. So instead, most of us hold it inside, which is so incredibly uncomfortable, anxiety-producing even. It leaves us feeling unmoored, questioning everything. Well, then what do we cling to? Why does it matter? Does it even matter? What's most important then? Is anything important then? And instead of getting lost down that existential questioning trail, so many of us would rather do exactly what Barbie and her friends did, redirect towards something more fun or suppress those thoughts altogether. You know, it feels necessary to take a moment to acknowledge that we are confronted with death every day, whether we like it or not. The news and social media is flooded with videos, pictures, the real-life accounts of the wars in the Middle East and Ukraine, not to mention the loss of life to gun violence every single night here in Columbus. Another mass shooting this past week in Maine, adding to the already almost 570 mass shootings this year alone in the United States. When we go about our lives with all of this as the backdrop and the undercurrent, it is no wonder that when a death in our family or our church family occurs, it can feel like too much to handle. I understand why so many of us have become desensitized to it. I understand the need for our mental health to look away. And now, more than ever, I understand why we need to fight to not become desensitized to it, to not turn away, but to allow our hearts to be broken open with compassion, a fire lit inside us to keep pursuing justice and peace, wholeness and healing. The more I've sat with all of this, the more I realized just how vulnerable Barbie had to be to say aloud what she was thinking. To be the person to say out loud the very uncomfortable thing that everyone has thought at some point or another. But we very rarely ever have enough courage to say. Barbie broached the topic of death in the hopes that she could trust her friends with her worries, her fear, her grief, and they let her down, didn't they? She felt like she needed to apologize, backtrack, cover it up. That is sad, isn't it? I don't ever want to be that friend. The friend who can't be trusted with the big stuff and the hard stuff and the scary stuff. The friend who only wants to be there for the fun stuff, the easy stuff, the joyful stuff. You see, the psalmist, the person who wrote Psalm 90, didn't apologize for bringing up how out of control they were feeling or the fact that they were really struggling, that they were grieving, overwhelmed. And the rest of this psalm is talking about how they feel like they can trust God in the midst of their existential crisis, in the midst of their spiral, because God has been there has been all people's dwelling place from generation to generation, from everlasting to everlasting. 
This psalm proclaims a deep knowing that God is big enough to handle life and death, which is absolutely good news. I believe that. And also, if God is big enough to handle it, I pray maybe we can be big enough to handle it as well. Can I tell you something that I love about First Community? All of you, really the congregation, the people. Pretty much all of you reach out to me and give me ye old, how are you? You know, not the, I'm good, how are you? But the squinty-eyed, like, intense eye contact, how are you? You read the parish register every week. You see the upcoming memorial services, all those who have died, people in the hospital. You know how I, your minister of pastoral care, spend the rest of my week. And alongside the how are you is usually the question, how do you do it? And I'm always honest when you ask me that question. I say what an incredible blessing and honor it is to be welcomed into your most joyous and wonderful moments and celebrations, but also your worst days and toughest days. I usually say how incredible it is to be a witness to how God shows up in the most messy parts of our life together. And that is the gosh darn honest truth. But sometimes I break down while making soup for dinner. Sometimes I take myself and my dog on a very long, impromptu walk where my speed is determined completely by my level of anger and frustration. And one time I broke a measuring cup all over the kitchen and I fell into a puddle of tears on the floor. And as I sobbed about how I have to clean this up now and I don't have time to go buy a new one, my dear friend broke through those sobs with, it's not about the measuring cup, is it? What else is going on? I've noticed that we give a lot of grace to people when there is an obvious need, like when someone is diagnosed with cancer or someone loses a parent or a spouse. In a lot of ways, we do know what to do. There's a protocol for that. But we as a society don't know what to do with the less obvious everyday grief, the it's been two years and I'm still not okay kind, or I'm having trouble getting out of bed in the morning kind. There isn't a clear protocol for that. You see, there's so much pressure from society to put on this facade, to say, I'm good, how are you? No matter how not good, we really are. At work, we feel like we can't lose our cool. Crying while grocery shopping is not a fun way to spend the afternoon. But it seems to me that we are at our best when we are able to admit to ourselves, each other, and to God when we are not okay. It is my prayer that we can be a community where we don't have to be all buttoned up. We don't have to pretend no facades necessary, where we can say to one another, hey, I'm actually really struggling. 
Or it's not about the measuring cup, is it? Or hey, do you ever think about death? I mean, that's why we are here this day. That is why year after year, we gather here in this sacred space, this sanctuary, on All Saints Sunday, to acknowledge that we are grieving, that we have lost 39 members of this faith community this year, and many more who we love on top of that. I thank God for this place where we don't have to suffer alone or silently grieve, for a designated time and place to acknowledge that death is indeed a part of life, and yet it's still really hard to talk about. But we all know that we will leave this day, this space, and find ourselves or someone we love struggling. So let's not wait. Let's not wait for the next news story or measuring cup. You don't have to wait for the next tragedy to happen to check in with yourself or to find those people who are a sanctuary for you to say, I'm not okay. May we find and may we be a physically and spiritually safe person to say these hard things to ourselves, each other, and to God. Amen.